This is a podcast from ABC Overnights. Here's Trevor Chappell. We're going to talk to Ahmed Kelly in just a little while, three-time Paralympian, as we take a look at his story and his life. But firstly, I want to play a piece from X Factor from a few years ago. And this is Ahmed's brother, Emmanuel. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky In the background of that show, because we all know the X Factor and how it works, is a very proud Ahmed and Moira Kelly in the background there. Ahmed, good morning. Good morning, Trevor. Thank you for having me on your show on such an early early time. (laughs) It is that. Hey, in the background when Emmanuel's singing there, Moira Kelly, and you're there looking very proud. Oh, I was very proud that night. Um, I just remember being backstage watching him on. It wasn't until the crowd's reaction, um, the response from them just sent goosebumps down my spine because uh, we all know he... We all knew he had a um, very talented voice, but to get that sort of response from the crowd was uh, quite incredible. Tell us about the relationship with Maura Kelly that both of you have and how that relationship started. Well, we all have a, a quite incredible uh, story. And, uh, I mean, it started all the way back from Baghdad um, in a Mother Teresa orphanage there. And uh, it wasn't until, like, the, the nuns had heard about this incredible Australian lady doing some amazing things where she brought kids from all over the world through to the help of her charity to uh, to try and help them out, uh, whether it is through surgery, uh, some were life-saving, uh, some were life-changing. Both Emmanuel and I were life-changing sort of cases. And, yeah, I just remember the first day meeting her and I instantly fell in love with her and I uh, just couldn't wait to go with her. But we weren't able to go straight away. We had to sort out some paperwork. So that's what kind of uh, stopped us from going straight away. But it took a couple of years and she was so persistent and she never really gave up on trying to get us out there and have a, uh, these uh, this operation. And then when we did come out to Australia, uh, I fell in love with the country. Basically did something quite uh, unexpected and so incredible that she decided to put both Emmanuel and I through to school here in Australia, and from then I just wanted to make the most of all that opportunity. What do you remember about the orphanage and what do you know about how you got there? Well, I can't really remember how I got there, to be honest with you, Trevor, yeah. but I just know that uh, both Emmanuel and I, because I, I think we got there around the same time. Basically, we just, uh, yeah, we were great mates. Uh, mm. We played with each other each other a lot we caused trouble together <laughs> um and we really kept the nuns on their toes and we really made the most of every day i mean like we didn't know it was outside the four walls to be honest with you uh but yeah we just uh, made the most of each day and uh we got on really well and um yeah we pretty much support each other through whatever came our way you talk about the surgery that you had in australia you both have similar disabilities can you explain to us what that is i had uh, uh, no arms at all. Uh, at least he had uh, one somewhat developed arm uh, and one no arm again like me. And uh, basically arms were cut off at the elbow section. 
Uh, but Emmanuel is able to develop a little bit um, past the elbow, which is great. Uh, so you can just try and do a little bit more with that. Uh, with me, my legs are below the knee were quite, um, the feet were turned outwards and quite deformed in a way. And Emmanuel had one developed leg, but also one above the knee hadn't fully developed at all. And also th his leg was quite crooked. So the the, uh, the doctors would have to try and straighten out the leg that was somewhat uh, had uh, grown, uh, developed, and they had to kind of straighten that up. For me, they couldn't really do too much with the feet, so they basically uh, remove the feet, form a nice like stump shape, so I could actually, uh, in the long term, be able to wear lo uh, prosthetic legs, which is what I'm doing now. I uh, didn't do anything for my uh, arms because yeah, I was I'd learned to do so much. And even so, after surgery, I uh, became quite independent and did it, a lot of things. So um, that really never came into discussion until I think I was about um, in my in high school. And uh, by then, I was doing lots of different things like playing uh, sports and um, driving car, uh, learning how to drive a car, I should say, Trevor. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just took each day as I can yeah. really and uh, I made the most of this uh, opportunity and um, yeah whatever uh, I could see my um, friends or um, volunteers do I wanted to be able to do and uh, there were some really great role models to follow and uh, that's exactly what I did and um, yeah and learned to fall in love with sports as I said because of the surgery because uh, uh, yeah, I didn't have any pain which was great uh, after the surgery I mean like uh, after the surgery instantly I had sore uh, legs but then after the recovery process, which took about six months, um, and then went into uh, some physio uh, for quite a, uh, a few months or so, and then went into school to uh, wear these prosthetic legs, which was quite an incredible moment too. How was going to school with you? Because I saw some terrific um, clips of you kicking a footy, of which you're pretty good. You kick way better than I'm even capable of. How was it going to school for you and, and being with the kids? I really didn't know any different. Like, I had no idea the different challenges that really was going to come my way. But mm. I just wanted to, I mean, I always wanted to go to school, Trev. And when you always want to do something, you find ways around the challenges and you find ways to deal with the challenges. And for me, um, I mean, I think I was just really impressed. I was able to write to start with. And then it became about writing the neatest and then wanting to get the first pen license at school. Um, and then, yeah, as, uh, as a writing sort of, um, progressed and, uh, my year levels progressed, the, it became quite a bit of a strain on my shoulders. So we had lots of different sort of support available so that we could get a scribe at high school cause, or, or at Assumption College and at Kerry Baptist Grammar School. We were able to get someone there to assist me with the long writing and especially maths as well. Even get a computer if I needed to, uh, type up some documents, um, and with the modern technology, you are also able to get some notes sent to you. So you also try and keep up and actually not worry too much about typing things down. And yet you can actually try and read the information. Like lots of support was coming my way. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed school. I really enjoyed the challenges. Really enjoyed making friends. But also really enjoyed the sports aspect of it. Because yeah, um, after physio, um, post-surgery, I was able to walk and it was just blown away the fact I could walk with no pain and there was actually no limit and um, yeah so then I went to an Aussie rules football game fell in love and uh, <laughs> fell in love with the sport I mean my mum was very um, taken back by Mother Teresa and she was 
had fallen in love with her work. Uh, I'd love to say Mother Teresa inspired me, but unfortunately, a silly AFL game did. Uh, but yeah, I went on to do some incredible things with footy at both Assumption College uh, and Kilmore Football Club. Are you really? Are you very competitive in that? Because I, when you were just talking, then you said uh, first person to get your pen license wanted to get better. Are you just naturally competitive? I think over time I did become, and then more so when I got into the elite sporting world, I uh, definitely became more and more competitive. But also quite a gentle sort of competitive person. Hmm. I'm, I'm not one of those persons that will shove everyone aside just to get there. Do you know what I mean? I'm also quite um, gentle in that way. But yeah, I am quite competitive internally and wanting to do that. But also, yeah, I I try and be as gentle about it as I can. (laughs) I don't think, because just, I mean, wanting to play football uh, and and because that entails kicking and running and marking and all of those sorts of things. Did there, were there people that ever said to you that you're going to find this difficult or you can't do it? Uh, But is it your attitude that, well, if I want to do it, then I jolly well will anyhow? Well, that's the thing. Um, when you really, really want to do something, you'll find ways to do it. And that's exactly what I did. Um, but also, if you if you feel like you, you haven't got the ability to do it or there's something really getting in the way of it, you have your support network. And uh, I strongly recommend people to lean towards a support network. And you just don't really, like, um, more brain power allows you to achieve more things. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you can allow people's input and find suggestions around just to try and do something that you love so much. Like, yeah, I mean, I wanted to play Aussie Rules, but then we had to find a way to to be able to do that and also to be able to do that in a safe way because, Trevor, um, I don't know how much you know about uh, baloney prosthetic legs, but um, your knees feel like they're so powerful, but the legs sometimes can't keep up. So um, when you're you're on a wet, miserable day in Kilmore, uh, you could kick a shan that weighs almost five kilos or so, and the next thing your leg is popping out and could potentially hit someone in the head. Thankfully, that never never happened because we took extra precautions of that uh, for that. But um, yeah, like you find ways to try and what what I did was make sure I wore another liner on that went a silicon liner. Yeah, one side went on the leg and the other side on my thighs and. Um, Really duct tape the thighs, um, the thigh, I uh, like the liner onto the thighs. And post match, I'd have almost a, a waxing session. And if, if you're an Arab, there's a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite crazy. But you did all that because you love the sport so much and uh, it didn't matter. Is it significant also to have people around you that do say, okay, well, these are the challenges that we're going to have, but let's work out a way to do it so that you can be part of it? Exactly. <laughs> Spot on. And that's the thing. And I was so lucky I had those sort of people who had that positive mindset to allow me to do something that didn't have too many naysayers, which is great. Um, and yeah, everyone was very open to me trying things and to do things uh, for the first time. And I was very, very, and they're also very patient. I mean, yeah, over time, uh, as I went into life, there were people who were less patient and uh, didn't have time. But you, you learnt the ones that did have time, you made the most of their time as well. How about kids? Because it's one thing to have adults that are supportive and that will help you out. It's also another thing to have your peers and kids around you that are also supportive. Yeah, I, I was very blessed. I had some really close friends at Assumption College who were so, so supportive in terms of in class and uh, around the school. And, um, yeah, I mean, you could always rely on them for different supports, whatever they were. But I know also in um, 
uh, Kerry, I just got in and they were trying to get more familiar with me because I'd only, um, only really went to school at Kerry for about three years. So it was more about learning the person I am. But they were also open to that. Do you know what I mean? So some peers were great. So others were just, yeah, living their own life, busy doing their thing. And that's absolutely fine. I mean, you can't expect everybody to drop everything just hmm. for you. Um, and, yeah, they all have their own life. But, yeah, it was so, so um, amazing that some were happy to help you out wherever they could. What sort of messages was Moira bringing to you during this time and also to your brother? To never give up, number one. Uh, to always do things uh, 100%, so to your very best. Uh, and to try and be as independent as possible because sometimes I'm not going to be around and sometimes a volunteer is not going to be around or there'll be people who won't be able to help you. So you'll have to always think how you can do those sort of things. So uh, we got some great sort of support from mum, great sort of values uh, within uh, instilled within us, I should say. And we're very fortunate because, yeah, it kind of paid back now, right? <laughs> Where did the desire to start? Oh, first of all, I love your nickname. Your nickname when you are playing footy was Nails? Uh, it was, yeah, because of my heart. Because, yeah, I just never let anything behind it. I always uh, gave it my absolute best. I really just wanted to um, attack the footy. Do the one percenters that help the team uh, go on to win a game, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, like, I wasn't the, the Chris Judd or the uh, Ben Cousins or Gary Ablett of the team, but I definitely did the one percenters, that, which I was very happy with to try and get the team over the line uh, every game. So uh, whatever it took, I tried and did that, but in, a, in, a, in the good spirits of the game too. And then you became Liquid Nails. Yeah, and I think that would allude to the question you were going to ask me, is like how I got into swimming and yeah. all that. So um, basically, as soon as um, I went to, uh, I think I was ready to go to the under-16, one year before uh, senior footy, and in that in that year, there's like a massive change in the game and the, st- the tempo of the game too. And I was mentally, I was ready for it. I was really, really excited, and I was up for the challenge. But physically, like... Um, my coach and also my mum were really, really worried about these prosthetics, which weren't really uh, suited for uh, Aussie Rules 40 in the first place. And they thought I'd be able to give it up after a year or two, but I just wanted to, I, I loved it that much on more and more of it. But yeah, it came to a point where I wasn't able to go on to the under 16s. I tried one or two games and loved it, but the senior 40 uh, coach was like, it's going to be more challenging than that. And basically decided to maybe uh, give me a assistant coaching position. And to be honest with you, I, I didn't really want to take it because I knew I had a lot more to offer in the sporting world. So one day, um, I, I think for a couple, of, uh, few months or so, I had no idea where I was going to go. But Paralympic Australia uh, had a talent identification day where athletes with various disabilities could try out multiple sports available that you could potentially compete for Australia at a Paralympic Games. So um, my my natural thing is to try all sorts of sports and see how I go. And I know my strengths were athletics, cycling and um, swimming. But cycling I wasn't very passionate with. Um, uh, track, and, uh, track I was pretty good at it because of my footy background, but I thought I'd be dwelling too much about the footy. But then um, I thought swimming would be a great uh, way to start from fresh and go from uh, start somewhere, do you know what I mean? Start some mm. goals and set some goals, I should say, sorry, and see where that took me. And, um, yeah, long story short, basically went to uh, – my goals were state, uh, state nationals. 
uh, sorry, state level competitions, then nationals, and then maybe one day uh, compete for Australia. And so glad I was able to do that. And hence why I got uh, my nickname changed to Liquid Nails. The idea of being able to set goals and take a look at those goals and work out how realistic those goals are, how significant is that goal setting for you and working out what you can achieve and how much you can achieve in a certain amount of time? Yeah, well, the thing about the swimming calendar actually never stops. As Graham, Graham Carroll would know, he, yeah. he's always out there um, going to different competitions. Uh, you have long uh, long course season, short course season. So long course season is the Olympic-sized pool. And then uh, short course season is when the Olympic-sized pool gets shortened to half, half the pool. And you do that for a few months or so. Um, it just doesn't really stop. It just keeps going. So it's so important in those, in that, uh, season of whatever it is in the sport, uh, that you set goals that you want to try and achieve. Um, you want, you want to try and set small goals to big goals. So, uh, a goal in a session would be like, you want to try and get under a certain, certain amount of strokes. So that's a very small goal in that session to another another goal where you want to say, okay, I want to try and see uh, the next uh, smaller meet. I want to make sure I hit those stroke, uh, stroke, uh, stroke counts, I should say. Uh, and then you go, oh, wow, I did that. Um, so then it was more about, okay, can I get the time for states or can I get the time for nationals? And then by the time you get to nationals, you'd be thinking, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to make the uh, Paralympic team and represent Australia at the biggest games uh, of your life, really? And then, yeah, you basically set out the map with your coaches, how you're going to do that, and you work towards uh, the trials, which is one of the most challenging competitions you'll come across because uh, there's a lot of pressure, um, a, lot of, a lot of things on the line because, yeah, to Olympic and Paralympic trials, you've got you've had four years of preparation to um, for it, and it all comes down to one race. So you don't get another chance; you just get one chance. So you, over time, you get uh, very well rehearsed, very well drilled, so that you can cope with that pressure and cope with the uh, to be able to swim as fast as you can. I mean, how important is having a mindset of being able to focus on the things that you can do and not necessarily the things that you can't? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question, Trevor, but that's something that I was able to really uh, get a, a good understanding of quite early in my career. The difference of things that could happen when you had a positive mindset. So this, the moment you had a positive mindset, so many doors opened up, so many people's uh, attitude also changed just because of your attitude. And um, if you had a bad day or if you had a really negative attitude, it you could see that around you, and uh, I could I could really sense that very very early on, and then was able to carry that through high school and onto my elite sporting world, and I just try to be so positive as I could. Sure, I'm not I'm human. I'll have days that I'm I'm really um, not uh, feeling it and having quite a bad day, but then again, you'll have uh, a coach who's quite positive, and you feed off that energy, and before you know it. Uh, you're back to your good old self. So it's so important in this in this life to ha try and create a positive mindset as as much as you can. And I I do get it. Some people aren't able to do that uh, because of their circumstances. But again, I I plead to those family friends who are uh, 
uh, to reach out to their loved ones and try and um, see how they're doing. Because we mentioned that earlier, because it's not only your own ability to recognise the things that you can do and the things that you can't do and to focus on the things that you can, but you also need people around you to be able to help you do those things. Exactly. Uh, And this is the thing that I've been trying to advocate for so much is that it really uh, takes uh, friends, families and loved ones to reach out to one another because we're seeing more and more things get in the way of that and we're seeing more and more people so distracted and so busy to find the time for each other and um, this is why there there are challenges um, in this world that people feeling lonely, people feeling that they can't get through life and um, I just really urge people to um, basically, um, yeah, look out for each other Uh, Um, and uh, just like I've been able to uh, have that support uh, growing up and up to now. So I know when I'm feeling really bad or feeling I've had a bad session or feeling like uh, the pressure is getting too much to me that I can um, lean towards my family and friends. But is it also important that communities also are on, are on board with people just in general? I mean, could, whether or not somebody with a disability, whether or not it's a, a person with mental health issues, there are all sorts of things that can get people down. So it's important for communities to also just recognise the positives of everybody for that matter. I couldn't agree more with that statement. And uh, this is the thing, like there there are a lot of different community services out there. Uh, it's more about how do we make people aware of these services. And um, uh, I think we got to work really, really hard towards that. And you're right. Yeah, so the community needs to do a lot more to try and engage with each other and be more supportive with one another. I mean, how quickly do we judge others? I mean, this is, we're going, we'll talk more about your story in a second. I think it's become a lot quicker now because we are aware of a lot more things and there are a lot of things that are getting uh, getting us to be distracted or throwing us off our path, I should say. But I think it's so important that we stay firm and um, be more supportive rather than judge people in a negative way as quick as we can. So true, because you have no idea what someone else's story is. You have no idea what their achievements are just by looking at others and that we need to be a lot cleverer as a community to actually find out more and not judge at all. Yes. And, yeah, I I agree with that because that's what I had to do from early on is we had lots of different kids coming from lots of different countries. We had a lot of different stories and um, you couldn't be, uh, you couldn't really judge them straight away and you'd learn to grow to love them because of their personalities and I urge everybody to try and do the same, just like I was able to do so young and, I mean, some people are able to do it a lot easier than others. because, yeah, they can be a lot more open and others are quite shy and you just never know. I mean, at what point was it that you realised that you would be able to go as far as Paralympian? I think um, one of my best competitions was in uh, 2010 when I went to um, my second nationals. The improvements that I had from the previous nationals were quite significant and we were talking about potentially being like top four uh, for the 50-metre breaststroke. We hit in those sort of times and when you start hitting those sort of times and everything coming together, you're like, wouldn't it be amazing? You start dreaming and say, wouldn't it be amazing to make it? So 2010, I was I had a 
good side of being able to do that. Then in 2011, again, I performed really, really well, ended up breaking the world record again for the 100 meter brushstroke. But that, unfortunately, that event wasn't available at the Paralympic Games for me unless I went a class up uh, to compete. So um, basically, the class system is uh, there so that it's fair for all people with disability to compete with one another. For me to be able to compete in that 100 breaststroke, I need to actually go out of my class and into a higher class. So that could be a bit challenging doing that, but I know the 50 meter breaststroke is, that was my next strength and that's what I worked towards. And in 2011, I was able to make my first Australian um, para- uh, like team to go to, um, I think it was Pan Pacific Games actually, in Edmonton, Canada. So that was the first team there, and then from then I was really, really hungry because I performed uh, pretty well there. Didn't quite make uh, medal, uh, but again performed well enough to think, okay, London's next year, I can definitely do it. And uh, again, went back to the coach, worked out what what our strengths were were and what our weaknesses were as well, and basically worked towards uh, the Paralympic Games for London. And again, the, like I said, the pressure for Paralympic Games and Olympic uh, Games trials was incredible because like, the pressure, um, so much um, media exposure available, lots of things going on. So it was quite a, 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 an experience for me uh, to, to kind of experience it in, in the first um, part. So quite amazing. How much of a commitment is it to to train and to be having those goals as far as a Paralympian is concerned? It's a huge commitment, Trevor, uh, especially now that there's so much sports science involved, so much resources available. Uh, so you really got to work hard. Um, so I, at that time I was doing about 11 sessions a week, 11 to 12 sessions a week at that time, and also trying to finish my VCE at Kerry Baptist Grammar School. Basically, uh, we had to work with the school as well as my coach to work out the best plan forward. And we thought um, doing year 12 over two years would give me the best chance to do well at, at school and to do well in the pool. And um, I was pretty serious about our school as well because I knew I'd have, have a life after the pool. So we've got to make sure we set the, uh, cover those bases as well. And yeah, I was just so um, grateful for Kerry and everybody there being extremely um, supportive with that uh, with that goal. And back in the pool, um, yeah, like I said, we had to cover eleven to twelve sessions. Sometimes we were doubling up, so uh, two two swim sessions in the day, then in adding a gym session to that. Then you got to look after your body, so doing a physio massage. You did your sports psychology as well because. Because you can, uh, the the stress and pressure can mount up, so it's important that you do your sports psychologist as well. So uh, booking to see them at least once a week, uh, if not more. So depending on how you're coping with the pressure and stress of both school as well as training and potentially trying to make the team. So, and a lot more resources do open up once you make the team as well. But it's just so important you uh, have a good foundation to try and get on the team first. So a lot of commitment. Um, you've got to take it really seriously because on the other side of the globe, somebody else is doing exactly mm. the same thing. So you've got to make sure you do, you're doing it and keeping yourself very, very honest. We'll talk about the medals and we'll talk a little bit more about what the future holds for you in just a second. This is Overnight. Our guest this morning is Ahmed Kelly, three-time Paralympian. He's got to go to training in just a second. Before you go, Ahmed, um, what's your, how's your brother going? What's his story? My brother is doing fantastic. He's in America 
doing some great things over there. Um, he's just he's released a few songs on Spotify, so if you have got time, have a look at some of his singles on Spotify. And now he's just basically performing at various different events. Uh, he does work very closely with Chris Martin, which is pretty cool from Coldplay. Chris Martin from Coldplay, so he's very cool. Um, um, it's a very aw- awesome opportunity, I should say. And uh, basically, yeah, he's, he's uh, going around to different events, singing or um, basically trying to open up for acts. So he's doing a wonderful job. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, for Christmas this year because I haven't seen him for two years. First year he wanted to spend in America. Uh, I think in 2019 he wanted to spend Christmas in America because uh, he's got a girlfriend and hasn't been able to spend Christmas with her. So we're like, oh, yeah, okay, no problems. And then COVID, of course, hit, so we weren't able to see him the following year. So we're just really looking forward to um, seeing him this year. So, no, you've medaled in the Paralympics. What is it next for you that's the next thing you're wanting to achieve? I think I want to try and uh, set up my career at this stage as well. Mm. Uh, So I'm very happy with how how swimming has progressed. Now I kind of want to set up my career in the next cycle, but also still compete because, yeah, uh, I want to try and take it as, as long as I can. If my body's able to produce some good times, why, get, uh, why stop training? So I think I've still got another Paralympics in me and I'll do everything I can to try and make that team one Car- more time. Career-wise, what is it that you're wanting to do? I'm quite versatile, Trevor, so I can, I'm pretty open to a lot of different things. Uh, naturally, I love working with people. Uh, I love trying to make a difference in someone's life. So... I also love my, I have great passion for sports. So something either in sports presenting, sports broadcasting, I did really well in that. Um, and now I'm currently actually working at ABC uh, for the Convo Hour. So that was a, that's been a great challenge, but also a wonderful experience. Uh, I worked in Canberra, ABC Radio Canberra 2 there for all their radio shows. Um, so that was an awesome experience as well. Uh, and everyone there was very supportive to allow me to do what I, I enjoy, which is, uh, sports broadcasting and also um, just being part of the media organisation there and see how it works behind the scenes. So that's been pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, anywhere between sports presenting, um, also I'm a huge fan of technology. So, yeah, trying to make technology better for people with a disability or just people in general because um, I know a lot of people struggle with technology. So trying to make, make it better and better so that their lives are a bit easier too. We, I'm sure, will hear more from you over the next years on Positive. Thank you very much. You've got to get to training, I understand. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to do a few extra laps if I'm running late. Hey, thank you very much for telling us about your story. Uh, thanks, Trevor. Thanks for having me on the show, and you keep up the great work. I'm Ed Kelly, who's a three-time Paralympian doing some work with the ABC and a brother who's working with people from Coldplay overseas. How good's that? <laughs> 